Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They said maybe Donald Trump is involved in projects with the Russians. The answer is no. Nothing came out. There is no Trump Tower in Moscow. No visit was made. For all the Trump Towers that have been erected all over the world, Moscow is not a place that has one. How can you say with 100% certainty, given all the players here, there was never any more contact? Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. We promise to stay till this is over. But when will it be over? And what is it? Is that Trump? The innumerable things he's broken, including our hearts and minds, the racist streak and the polity, the wide berth Trump has been given by the markets? Or will it be the Republicans or the Republic that ends? This really feels like being nine months pregnant and being told you have to wait another month to give birth. When are those Mueller indictments going to come down? So the themes of this podcast lately have broken into when will it end, how will it end, what damage will be done before it ends, and what will happen after it ends. Those damage shows are on the shattering stuff like Harvey, Charlottesville, and the pardon of Joe Arpaio. They can get a little desperate, but while we're there, Houston Food Bank, which gets top marks from Charity Navigator, which kicks the tires of these places to be sure they're not scams. Houston Food Bank is accepting donations and using them effectively and generously to help victims of Hurricane Harvey. That's HoustonFoodBank.org. But today's show is not about all the damage being done to our great nation. It's a little more, well, feel good. And it's on the subject of how will it end? And it will end as Donald Trump Jr. is my witness. The focus of the show is a former bit player in Trump land. He's front and center this week. His name is Felix Sater. He's one of the carnies of little Odessa with something more than ties to the Russian mafia, the president, and that crazy Kremlin. This week, the Washington Post and the New York Times reported that while Donald Trump was running for president, he was pursuing a plan to develop a massive Trump Tower in Moscow. A Russian-born real estate developer, that's Felix Sater, urged Trump to come to Moscow, promised that Putin would say great things about him if he did, and also back-channeled with Donald Trump's personal attorney, that's Michael Cohen, saying he could get Trump elected president with an assist from the Kremlin. Today, we're talking to the go-to person for all things Seder. He's Andrew Rice, a contributing editor at New York Magazine, who wrote the comprehensive story about the latest character to jump in on the Trump-Russia affair. We'll talk to Andrew right after this message. 
Joining me on the line is Andrew Rice. He's a contributing editor at New York Magazine, whose most recent story is called The Original Russia Connection about Felix Sater. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks. I'm happy to happy to join you. So to me, Felix Sater is kind of part of the popcorn element of this story. He's the one I just can't hear enough about. Yeah, he's twisted and devious, but he's also extremely mm, colorful, as he would say. Tell us about Felix Sater. Uh, well, Felix Sater was a, is, a, is a guy who's in his 50s. He was born in Moscow. He was raised in Brooklyn. He's kind of a knockabout Brooklyn guy who came up from the streets. His father was a small-time mobster, mob-associated uh, individual. Felix went to go work on Wall Street, and he ran into, into a series of legal problems that uh, ultimately culminated in him being indicted in a, in a stock fraud scheme, a sort of pump and dump like the Wolf of Wall Street type uh, stock swindle. Happens and, to the best uh, of us. And um, well, so that was that's sort of chapter one. Um, he he became an FBI informant during this whole time and, and actually uh, uh, helped to take down a bunch of pretty prominent mobsters who had gotten involved in in the penny, these penny stock schemes, you know, circa around. 2000. I, I don't know if you remember that there was a there was a whole sort of a Sopranos subplot where they where they got into selling um, garbage stocks and th- this was sort of like the real life corollary to it. And uh, was working for the FBI and during this time he was working as an undercover informant. He had to do something else as a day job. What he got into was real estate and um, pretty quickly uh, after he got into real estate he had an office in Trump Tower and he basically. Uh, the way he tells the story is he sh- just showed up in Donald Trump's office one day and said, I'm going to be the biggest developer in New York and you want to be in business with me. And um, sure enough, Donald Trump got into business with him. They developed a couple of buildings together, most prominently the Trump Soho, uh, which is in, in New York City, in the Soho neighborhood. And, you know, what happened this week was that it came out that as late as 2015 or early 2016, Sater was trying to build a, a development, a Trump Tower in Moscow. And um, he sent a, a series of emails to uh, Michael Cohen, the personal attorney of, of Donald Trump, who was at the time working for the Trump Organization, kind of doing deals for the Trump Organization, also a personal friend of Felix Sater's from, going, from way back, uh, saying that, you know, he was this... These business deals with uh, were going to be. He was going to pave the way for these business deals via his contacts in the Kremlin, and that um, these contacts in the Kremlin would also be more than willing to help out Donald Trump in his efforts to become elected president of the United States. Um, I think on August third, you when you published this terrific long piece on in New York Magazine about Felix Sater. So on August third, you have him quoted as saying, "In about the next thirty to thirty-five days." I will be the most colorful character you've ever talked about. We are under the wire for the 30 to 35 <laughs> days. And um, and I definitely want you to fill in color. I just want to be sure that I have straight this latest revelation. So late January of this year, 2017, after the inauguration, Donald Trump is the president. That's when Felix Sater met with these Ukrainian politicians. Is that right? That's right. Well, there's there's been a, there there are other of course there are other chapters in in the um, in the whole Seder saga. So the, uh, one of the what, what happened is that you know after Trump was elected, 
the the project for the the Trump Tower in Moscow kind of dissipated. Uh, Sater claims because Trump decided that he couldn't run for president and build a, a uh, tower in Moscow at the same time. Although it seems as if uh, there is some evidence that um, they were more than willing to explore those two options uh, simultaneously, uh, at least for a while. The real estate project at some point sort of dissipated, and Felix Sater came up with another way to to sort of leverage his relationship with uh, Donald Trump. And that was by uh, linking up with this uh, Ukrainian opposition politician named Artemenko, uh, Andrei Artemenko. He he basically came to Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's personal attorney, with this uh, potential peace plan in, in, um, in Ukraine. He had this whole idea that he was going to, you know, broker peace in the Ukraine and their civil war. And, um, in the process, I think he had had the ideas that there would be some business deals to be done at the at the other end of this um, in the Ukraine, and that he and Artemenko were going to, as somebody who met with them about these business deals, said at the time, you know, they, they had visions of king making, and that Felix Sater was going to to sort of help make Artemenko the president of the Ukraine. Then he would they would have a, a friend in the White House and a friend in, in whatever Ukraine's equivalent of the White House is. And that would uh, perhaps work out really nicely for him. So why, when Donald Trump has worked fairly closely with Felix Sater, why would Donald Trump ever say he wouldn't, under oath, that he wouldn't know what Felix Sater looked like if they were in the same room? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think uh, I, th- I think that question sort of answers itself. <laughs> All I can do, I can't, I can't say what, what the man remembers or doesn't remember. All I can say is, you know, what the history is there, which is that Felix Sater for many years, um, really from 2002 until 2008, was uh, doing business and, and dealing with Donald Trump on a Sater claims on a sort of like almost daily basis they were speaking, and there's substantiation for that from from other sources that the, basically the company that Sater was involved with, which is called Bayrock, you know, was a very important uh, development partner of Trump's during this time period of 2002 to 2008 when he was really kind of on the comeback trail because of uh, you know really the success of the, the Apprentice, which started then, gave him all these opportunities to basically do what are called licensing deals, where instead of actually risking anything or investing any money, he would just basically license his name to developers. And those developers would go out and raise the money, build the buildings, and, and so on. It'd be called, you know, the Trump Fort Lauderdale or the Trump Soho or, or the uh, Trump Moscow. And, uh, and, and the licensors, and would, the developers would get his name first, so then they could yeah. use that as part of the the deal, right? And 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 Sater Sater referred to this as his trump card that he he his company basically specialized in doing these deals and was doing multiple ones, some in the United States. They were trying to do ones overseas as well. The point is is that he was a pretty important business partner to Trump. He, uh, by many accounts, took um, Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka Trump to, on a trip to Moscow at, at Donald Trump. Uh, seniors request. He accompanied them, sort of like chaperoned them on the trip around Moscow. One of the sort of delicious details in the latest reports is that Sater claims that actually he arranged for Ivanka Trump to sit in the desk, in the chair of Vladimir Putin uh, in the Kremlin. So, you know, if if there's a selfie out there, uh, of that, I'm sure that um, I'm sure that Robert Mueller will be very interested to see it. Yeah, well, um, you know, he's scrolling through Instagram accounts right now. Um, Mueller <laughs> is. <laughs> um, 
Um, if Donald Trump doesn't re- remember him, uh, it, it would seem that he uh, maybe he's got some memory issues he needs to address. <laughs> Felix Sater not only gave a big business assist to Trump, but it looks like in the recently uh, exposed emails with Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, that he also had a promising plan to make Donald Trump, of all things, president of the USA, as he says. Um, His email said, Buddy, our boy can become president of the USA and we can engineer it. I will get all of Putin's teams to buy in on this. I will manage the process. For some reason, I love reading their emails. <laughs> okay, so Buddy, our boy, can become president of the USA. We can engineer it. So does this mean that Felix Sater might be the third of the royal roads to collusion that Jonathan Chait cites today um, in his column in New York Magazine? The first two, of course, are Don Jr.'s meeting with Paul Manafort, a couple of Russian agents, and Jared Kushner. And the second one is... That Republican operative, Peter Smith, who I think is since deceased, um, made an effort through Russian hackers to obtain Hillary Clinton's emails, just a refresher. Is this exchange between Sater and Cohen maybe the third, at least visible, proof of or suggest heavy suggestion of collusion between the Trump administration and the Russians? Well, I mean, I think there's there's two two ways to look at this. I mean, one is, you know, Michael Cohen says that Felix Sater is a salesman, and he's given to sometimes exaggerating or uh, over being overly enthusiastic about the implications of uh, any given business deal he's trying to sell to people. And and I can say, having talked with him extensively for my my New York Magazine story, you know, he there's truth in that. He's a big talker. He he lo- you know he he loves to uh, he loves to talk. He loves to talk about how important he is. Um, uh, he's certainly given to exaggeration. That said, a, a lot of what he told me really, you know, did end up checking out. Like even the things that seemed like crazily preposterous. Like for instance, he said uh, he told me when I was talking with him for this story that that he had been a uh, that he had been a spy that he had worked, you know, um, kind of in concert with the Defense Intelligence Agency, the American Defense Intelligence Agency, to obtain Soviet military hardware in the in the late 1990s after the fall of the wall. And he named the individual that he said was his handler. And sure enough, you know, that person was a real person, uh, you know, and and Freedom of Information Act requests indicate that he really was, did have contracts with the DIA to uh, to obtain this kind of hardware. So, you know, that's just like a small example of like Felix Sater, something that just sort of seems like a crazy thing that Felix Sater said, but that actually turned out to be true. Many people that I talked to have said that, uh, Sater does have contacts at high levels in Russia. As you know, you know, in Russia, the, the, the line between sort of governmental elites and the, and the kind of oligarchic business class is a very thin or non-existent one. So his business relationships that he has also... Wait, the way you're politics. describing it, it reminds me of um, the United States. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> current, I mean, I, I think the current that, United I think States. That, you know... More and more, uh, we're seeing that the, that there's a um, our politics are sort of converging with their politics. So when you know when Cohen says that was a um, that was just salesmanship, he was just he was just exaggerating and so on. You know, we got to consider that against the evidence that you know that that he really did have a lot of these sorts of contacts. I do love how you make the point in this piece in in New York Magazine that. 
like a lot of aspects of Stranger Than the Stranger Than Fiction era of President Trump, these stories were both conspiratorial on their face, and it turns out verifiably true. Uh, so he is both, um, you know, like a figure of fun, a carny, and also um, somehow connected. And that's, I think, what your piece makes beautifully clear. Tell us just some of the some of the things he has his fingers in that aren't uh, that aren't uh, directly related to to Trump. The one I'm thinking of most um, most importantly is that he's curing cancer. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I would call him up. I mean, I would call him up oftentimes in the like late afternoons. Um, and every once in a while, he'd pick up, and sometimes he'd be in an expansive mood. Um, you know, he's not really hiding. Um, I said as a, as a, for an international man of mystery, he's actually pretty talkative. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so he, he would say things like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a cure for cancer, but, you know, as my lawyer says, if I cure cancer, the headline's gonna be, you know, Trump's gangster related ex-partner, uh, you know, has a, a scheme to defraud Medicaid, you know, <laughs> and, and he, he has a sort of like a, I think, sort of like a, uh, a kind of like winning wise guy, you know, personality in a way. It's a very charming individual. So I have no idea what this cure for cancer is about. <laughs> well, it's I just, isotope, I listening it's him. stable isotope driven as I understand. I don't, I'm not exactly sure what it is. It's, 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 he, he had a whole long explanation. Um, but suffice it to say, Felix Sater is the kind of guy who, you know, who's got, he calls himself, he says he's the, the epitome of the deal guy. You know, he's got deals going and everything. He, he sees everything as transactional. And that another thing that uh, was going on at basically the same time he was working with Trump is that he was working with a with a a family of uh Kazakh banking and political people there basically that uh, there's a uh, allegedly a sort of massive bank and bank fraud and a political fraud in, in Kazakhstan that this that this family called the Krapanovs were were allegedly involved in and the the Kazakh government was trying to get all all this money that they stole back and it turns out a lot of the money ended up in New York real estate or at least some of it and the stuff that was in New York real estate guess who was involved in the middle of the, all of that our evil Zelig yeah so he's so he's now cooperating with this money laundering um with this money laundering investigation, the Financial Times reported that, and they, and, and they said he's been quote uh, being compensated handsomely unquote for uh, for services. So so Felix is like a you know what a deal guy like he gets paid on the way in coming and for going making the deals, and then he gets paid by the guys trying to recover the money. And this is why some people think that ultimately, I don't know if this is going to be the case or not. Obviously. When you when you ask the sort of like how does it end question, but there are many. But there uh, part of the reason why I was interested in him, and a lot of people I think are interested in him, is because he does have this history of selling not selling information is not necessarily the word for it, but you know if he gets into trouble if it suits his interests, he's more than willing to cooperate with authorities. So if you if you're Robert Mueller and looking at the cast of characters on Trump, and you wanted somebody to help give you guide you in terms of sort of understanding all these various different relationships well who better to talk to than a russian american business associate of trump's 
who also happens to have been a longtime highly valued FBI informant. Um, and in fact, some members of Mueller's staff of, of, uh, of prosecutors have actually met Sater and were involved in all the way back in the, in the investigation of the stock frauds back in, uh, back in, uh, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. So Felix Sater is a person who's well known to many of these individuals as a, as a kind of, extremely useful cooperating witness um somebody who like did you know all sorts of all sorts of things worked undercover war wires um supposedly he was involved in investigating various different things that al-qaeda was up to and the the international arms black market i mean some of this stuff it sounds like it you know sort of uh, kind of like a, a preposterous you know kind of spy thriller type type of thing you think oh gosh this guy's just a con man but then then uh all of a sudden you know the, a, a transcript is unsealed in which federal prosecutors have been like yep he helped us he was he was you know somebody said called him the key the 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 key to unlock a thousand different doors Amazing. um and uh wow what a what a what a uh what a description you know he's this is the guy who's the key and has been the key in the past. And now he may, in fact, um, who knows, he might have the key to the biggest question um, in American political history. Um, it, so he did promise, I'll say it again in your article, that in the next 30 to 35 days, that was uh, August 3rd. So we're in that week. I'll be the most colorful character you ever talked about. He couldn't tell you about it before it happened, but he said, believe me, it ain't anything as small as whether or not they'll call me to the Senate committee. He seems almost excited. No publicity is bad publicity. No treason is bad treason for Felix Sater. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, I, I, we still don't know if that was a thing. It could have been, we don't, could have we been don't. a different thing. Could have been a, you know, could have been a business deal. Could have been curing cancer. I did ask him if it was curing cancer, and he said it wasn't. Oh, that's, so that's, that's later. Cancer the next 30 to 35 days. That's Q1 um, of uh, but, 18. But he, um, it was unclear exactly what, what he meant by that. Um, he must have known at that time that these emails existed, and he he must have, I think, probably had a, had an idea that they would eventually they would be subpoenaed and, and turned over to um, the way they came out, I believe, was that they were subpoenaed and turned over to the House Intelligence Committee and uh, almost instantaneously leaked. So he must have had a sense that that was going to happen. So uh it's it's very possible that that was what he was referring to or maybe there's another thing going on that will make him even more uh colorful you never know with felix sater there's always as he says he's always got two or three balls in the air at any given time so there may yet be other be other balls that we don't know about thank you so much for being here andrew okay thanks a lot for having me And that's our show for today. Did you like it? If so, let us know by tweeting at us at RealTrumpCast. You can find the whole TrumpCast crew on Twitter. So again, just follow us at RealTrumpCast. Today's show was produced by Jason DeLeon, and I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to TrumpCast. <laughs>